Oh, wait. Let me turn this metronome off. I'm going to fucking die if I hear this metronome. Yeah, and it's like at a hard 120, so it's like, it's like, hey, daddy, baby, I got your money. It's like a nice. Got your money, daddy. All right. We're going to go one, two, three, clap. One, yeah. two, three. Two, three. We were nowhere together, but that doesn't matter. We'll CJ, it's good to see you. Andrew, it's always good to see you, even though you are just a giant face on the other end of my iPhone. Listen, I would rather be a giant face than a faceless giant. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Speaking of comic books. We have something very important to discuss today. Very important on so many levels. There's a lot to unpack, as the kids say. Oh, my goodness. And I'm here for it. Today is the day that we finally get to... One of the most prominent fixtures of the VSQ universe. Big shit for the director. Dogma. Dogma. A star-studded romp through theology and Wisconsin. Isn't that bizarre that Wisconsin makes an appearance? I think that he used... He, I think that he... What's the word? Exiled those two angels to Wisconsin because of all the flack that New Jersey has gotten over the years. He said, enough is enough. Wisconsin is actually, you know, worse than New Jersey if you're going to spend eternity. That's I think that's what he was saying. I could get on board with that. You know what else is funny? That this is the first time our two main characters that we're following are from two different locations, and they're both outside of Jersey. He's really trying something here. And I guess he has to go for the road tripness of it, but, like, we're in Illinois and Wisconsin, and then we have to get back to New Jersey. We just don't want to get too political, but that statement that I just made was absolutely politically driven. I will say Listen, that. Listen, it's a safe space here, and it's our show. We can say whatever the hell we want. It's true. Oof. And we're going to say some naughty things about religion, too, so get ready. This is going to be the one. This is going to be the one that might, yes. this might get and censored, CJ. How does that feel? It sure could. And having been raised Catholic and being a former altar boy... Now, my cousin was the priest, Andrew, before you start giving me the sad eyes. My cousin was the priest. I was safe. Okay, good. Okay, nothing nothing like that ever happened to me from my priest, mm -hmm. but I was raised Catholic. I was an altar boy, so I know Catholicism. I know from religion, See, so I'm excited for and this. And what's fascinating for me is I was raised Pentecostal, which is hardcore, hardcore conservative evangelical, but now I work at a Catholic church. So I've, I'm Joni Mitchell. I've looked at love from both sides now. <laughs> and uh, honestly, I, my Catholic experience is wonderful. I love my church. They've been very, very good to me for many years. And uh, it's, a real, it's a real joy to be there. But it's funny that uh, my love for that church and my relationship with religion are not in sync. You know? Understood. I, and I, I feel a little bit of the same way because the three pastors that were at the church that I went to in Vermont uh, were all wonderful. As I said, one of them was my cousin. So that experience of, of Catholicism, uh, it never really, it wasn't a bad experience. As a matter of fact, when I was in high school, or sorry, before I went to high school, I was ready to enroll in the University of Notre Dame and take up the cloth myself. Really? I was ready. I was going to be a priest. Yeah, man, I loved it. I loved going to church. I loved participating in the, uh, the nativity. What was it called? The passion play mm -hmm. uh, every Christmas, you know, or uh, sorry, every Easter around you know in April, and 
I loved it, man. I was all about it. And then I took, unfortunately, for uh, my career as a priest, I took AP European history, and I learned about Martin Luther, who was a who was a horrible anti-Semite. But that's neither here nor there. But I learned about Martin Luther in the 95 Thesis, and I said, whoa, the Catholic Church did what? Uh, it, Inquisition, huh? And I said, I, I can't. I can't be a I can't be a priest. So naturally, I went into acting. It seems like a natural fit. Uh, so that was the progression. So you have quite the relationship with Catholicism and the Catholic Church and everything. Uh, me being raised evangelical, we're taught that uh, Catholicism is they're wrong. That they're basically idolaters is what I was taught. I know now that that is not correct. I'm just expressing what I was taught as a child. And uh, absolutely. And so, see, absolutely. so watching this movie from a very conservative background. I understand why people thought that it was problematic how it painted Catholicism as the enemy. But watching it as an adult, it doesn't really paint Catholicism as the enemy as a whole. You know, it's not attacking all of Catholicism. It's attacking some of the concepts that mass organized religions, the pitfalls, you know, of of the organized religion where they go through. It's really conceptualizing that and giving a real world slash fantasy comic book angle to if all of these things are true, this is what's strange about this method of thinking. And that's what I think is super interesting about the movie. And he frames it in a joke. And that joke is at the very beginning with Loki and the nun, when he reduces the whole thing, the whole relationship with God to do it and I'll fucking spank you. I love messing with the clergy, man. It's funny. It's funny and it's ridiculous, but there is a grain of truth in the way the opinions are espoused, if you will. Did I use that word right? Espoused? I, I, sure. Yeah, that's like you can you can express an opinion or you can make someone your spouse. Those are the two definitions for it. Got it. And I used the, the one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I totally hear what you're saying. And, uh, you know, Rufus says it best, right, when he's talking about uh, uh, an opinion – you can't. Uh, what is it? No. What is it? Oh, he uh, says, you can't change a belief. You can change an idea. You can't change. You can't change a belief. You can change an idea, and that's that's the that's the biggest pitfall in any religion is that you are taught to believe one thing. I was taught that Catholicism was the way. You were taught evangelical Pentecostalness was the way. Jewish people are taught Jewish is the way. Muslims are taught that Islam is the way. In, when in fact we're all praying to the same God. Oh yeah. Like if you were to if you were to break down the dramaturgy of religion, Allah, God, Yahweh, that's one person because it had to be. Everybody was like, okay, let's talk about religion and faith. God, Yahweh, Allah, God. They're all the same, and they're all praying to the same God. And then they just have more powerful prophets: Moses, Jesus, Muhammad. Who's to say, you know? We're talking about we live in the age of fake news and media propaganda, right? Who's to say that back in the day, Jesus and Muhammad weren't the same person? No one is to say Who's that. Who's to say that? No one is to say that. We don't. We just. We just don't know. I mean, obviously, the the Quran, the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament, it it all just got so out of whack so fast. And like Rufus says, it became a belief instead of just an idea, a, a way to live your life. It's really quite fascinating to think that all of these characters and all of these different theological novellas, if you will, 
may be the same person. I remember going through a unit on Greek mythology and Greek mythology is so fantastical and so uh, heightened and romantic and insane. And I remember listening to the stories and the teacher, I was in like third or fourth grade, the teacher had given us like coloring book things and we're calling them in and we're talking about them like they're fairy tales. Mm. And I just remember thinking about that and I'm like, how is this different from like Jacob and Esau and his name is Esau because he grabbed his brother's heel on the way out of the womb and, and that sets up their relationship going forward and, and things like that. I was like, that's, it's all mythology. And I remember my mother being like, no, 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 but, but Bible is true. Greek mythology is fake. And that's the thing. All of our religious structures, we are very confidently telling our children that what we believe is true and what everyone else believes is wrong. And that's just the way it is. And we leave no room for everyone to be at the party. No room at the table. There's no room for uh, for any ideas, any curiosity, any any uh, uh, love, really. Because once Jesus is your is your co-pilot, Jesus is your co-pilot, and Muhammad's the enemy. You know, once once you you face East five times a day and pray, like that's what you do. And and anyone that doesn't do that is an infidel. You know, and it's it's just a real issue, and it makes me so it makes me so upset because I grew up Catholic, going to church every Sunday, and all I heard was love. Mm -hmm. I didn't I didn't hear anything else but love thy neighbor, and everyone is equal, and your Jewish brother is your Jewish brother, and it doesn't matter that he thinks you know he thinks something different than you. But as as you get older, and as you get more political, and as the politics take over, everything becomes just so rooted in I must be right therefore you are wrong and some people take it to the to the love angle of like I'm going to pray for you but other people take it to the to the side of well you are killing babies you know and they use this thing that I grew up with this 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 beautiful wonderful thing of of the story of Jesus Christ Jesus of Nazareth excuse me and they twist it and they turn it and they turn him into a blonde haired blue eyed man when in fact he was Jewish so he must have been darker than that you know and it, and and I'm so far away from discussing the movie dogma at this point <laughs> but I just want I just want everybody to you know that's listening to know that it, people who are religious they are religious for a reason and we have to respect that just like they have to respect anybody that's not religious and we are all on this planet and we don't know what happens afterward. So just love each other and stop messing around and don't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And that includes using his name to propagate your war and your financial agenda. Very well said, good Mic sir. drop. Very, very well said. Well, it's funny because Rufus actually brings this up in the movie. He brings all of these things up. And this is one of the things that kind of bothers me about the movie because there's so much stuff that gets discussed and so many interesting things. And every now and then there's a little bit of a data dump where they have to get like 34 things out and be like, we've been platforming about religion for so long that we have to get these six facts out to give you the mythology so the plot can move forward. And that's one thing that drives sure. me up the wall about the movie a little bit. But I think... It's a problem in the filmmaking. It becomes those moments become so dense. You know, we go so many so many long stretches without any underscore, 
and we're without scene changing where it's just people are just talking about exactly what you're saying but this is his thing though this is such a kevin smith thing this goes back to clerks where it's like it's just people talking he finally was able to make a movie that is interesting it's slick it's very hollywood driven it's got a lot of stars in it it's got a budget there's some special effects happening this is his first like big big film and he uses the real estate to sit down and have conversations because that's the aesthetic and i think that's so beautiful the show hits the ground running with this movie's plot thread and you have your villains that are like your fallen angels and to make villains out of fallen angels is so cool we hadn't seen it yet we hadn't even this is a device that's going to get used later and later but this is kind of the first time we've seen it right lucifer is going to borrow this thread when it premieres in like 2005 years after this um what's the other one supernatural Supernatural. they're going to involve castile Mm -hmm. and the concept of fallen angels but they won't do that until like season four i think they introduce him so the fallen angels thing he really corners the market with this idea that these fallen angels are not bad people they screwed up but now they have an agenda of a way to get back they found a loophole and the loophole is a new rule created by God's relationship with man. I find that so mind-blowingly interesting that that's the way the movie kicks off. Yes, and with George Carlin, the the most fabulous comedian in my opinion that ever lived, playing the cardinal, being the one that is the the catalyst, you know, that that's going to allow these two to to smite God and, and prove God fallible by walking into a church and having their sins forgiven. I think that's just the most brilliant casting choice in the world. You know, he was he was signed on from the beginning. He loved it. And, you know, he if you notice, he's wearing a bandage on his uh, left hand the whole time. You know what that bandage covers? What? His wedding ring. Because he didn't want to take it off because his wife had recently passed. Oh. So the man said, I'm going to do this movie... But I gotta have I gotta be able to have my ring on, and they were like, okay, cool, great, we'll just put a bandage on it. So learned about that in the rewatch. Didn't obviously didn't clock that one going by in 2000 when I watched this movie. Of course, CJ, as a nice Catholic boy, how did you feel at the unveiling of Buddy Christ? <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, right? And he's literally giving it's, you a wink and a gun, like. <laughs> it's it's so good and i'll tell you you know by i think by the year 2000 i was just about to graduate college and had been a theater major so i had spent four years as a theater major so any sort of (laughs) you know catholic values i had had pretty much gone away at that point uh but i remember seeing it and i remember you know there's they're they're mocking something that i held so dear for so long uh, but fortunately, I, I just loved it, and I and I, I loved it the other night when I watched it again. It's just so clever to put Jesus, you know, this figure that we normally see. I just hit the lamp off my table that we normally see nailed to a cross with his head down and his side bleeding in this wonderful pose. Amazing. So, do you know what's so funny? When I was a child, I asked my parents why Catholics use a crucifix. And because evangelicals do not, all of our iconography of Jesus, he is not on the cross because we focus on the resurrection wow. aspect of it. And that's what I was talking that we focus on the resurrection. So our Jesus is alive. He's ascended. He's returned and he's gone back to heaven. He's not on the cross. That was just Got it. the act that saved us. And that's what I was taught. So it's so funny. 
1999, I'm watching this movie, and you to hear Cardinal talk about how this it's a morose thing to have him on the crucifix. We got to freshen him up, do something like that. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's literally my religion is basically a rebrand. And that was when I started mm. connecting those dots. That like, wow, we just kind of repackaged the same ideas uh, for a new audience, and 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 trot it out. You know, it's like when Lady Gaga yeah, did the they- country album. Still Lady Gaga. <laughs> Still Lady Gaga. Great parallel. Great parallel. How do you feel about Janine Garofalo's cameo? I think she was so well utilized. She doesn't ever do anything wrong, in my opinion. I, I can't, you know, you, you look back through the annals, and you're not going to find anything where you can say, ooh, Janine Garofalo. This other lady, Linda Fiorentino, she's phoning it in, man. You can tell she's not having a good time with this material. No. Uh, no. She fades into obscurity shortly after this movie. She sure does. Yeah. It's it's unfortunate because the woman obviously has talent, but she was the weakest link, you know. It, 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 to be fair, she's in a, a star-studded film. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of of uh what's the word I'm looking for? Bones, meat and potatoes, gravitas, talent. There's a lot of talent around mm-hmm. her, you know. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to get in that ring. But she had done some things. I mean, she she was successful up until this point. So oh my god, Jade, Men in Black, like we yeah. knew her. She was and she's a big catch for Kevin Smith for this movie. Yeah, and she was bored. She wasn't really into it. And boring. Now you, you know yeah. who was spectacular was Chris Rock. Chris, some Rock. of his finest work. I, I, another one. Another one where you look back and you say, "What you know? The, what has he done that you you could really pick at, that you have beef with?" So solid. Uh, I live for everything he says. Back to Janine, real quick. I have a huge crush on Janine Garofalo. Always have. Who doesn't? She was the best part of Mystery Men. Best part <laughs> of that movie. Uh, Truth about cats and dogs. The best part of that weird ass movie. Uh, she is so spectacular with her little mileage that she has to do when she talks about the cup and how when you're a child, the cup is small, so filling it with faith is easy. But when you're bigger, the cup gets bigger. And then it shifts to a sex drug. Like, so you're telling me I need to get filled in more ways than one, Bethany. In more ways than one, Bethany. I <laughs> think that's so hilarious. And I'm so sad that that character never comes back because we leave the abortion clinic. There's no real reason for her to come back. Yeah, no, no. The next time we see the abortion clinic is a, a whole day has passed and it's the end of the day and, and Bethany's going to her car. Yeah, there's some timeline problems in this movie. We'll get to that. Sure. Jay and Silent Bob, this is our first time encountering them as heroes. So we see them kind of try to be heroes in the silly mall rats. They're reduced to a mm-hmm. cameo in Chasing Amy. And sure. they're back to being main characters. But yes. they can fight now. Yeah, not just tertiary. Oh, yeah. No, they're badass. Yeah, I didn't realize that they were... Because they're, they're in Illinois. Yeah. I guess so. I guess they're like Jersey-like. Yeah, no, they've, they've, they've taken the, the toughness of the Garden State with them to the Midwest. They really just recklessly go and attack those children, huh? They don't mess no, around. No, they just... Well, because the, the, the damsel is threatened. Yeah. So they just, they just go after him. I mean, you know, and these children, they're, they're in their teens. Yeah. Okay, and they're carrying they're carrying hockey sticks and they're charging at a at a pedestrian. Yeah. You know, at a at a citizen who's who is unable to defend themselves at that point. So, 
I'm good with that. Yeah, no, no I love when he beats them up and he calls them Mighty Duck Fox. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Can we can we talk about Jason Mewes for a Let's moment? Let's talk about Just him. The, the, performance, the performance that he gives. Did you know? Andrew, did you know that Jason Mewes had all of his lines memorized before shooting began for this film? I did know this, actually. It's a fascinating fact. Did you know that? Yeah, and it's because he found out that Alan Rickman was going to be in the movie, and he didn't want to embarrass himself in front of Alan Rickman. Wise. Which brings us to, what did we miss in the Chasing Amy podcast? We failed to mention that Chasing Amy was well-loved by Alan Rickman. It's a good movie, and he has good taste. And honestly, let's be honest about this. Alan Rickman elevates literally anything he's in. Absolutely. He really brings some legitimacy to this film. He's brilliant. I think if Alan Rickman isn't in Die Hard, it's just another Terminator movie. And not a Christmas movie. Which it is a Christmas movie. Thank you for getting that right. It's a Christmas movie. It's totally a Christmas movie. I'm sorry. It's a Christmas movie. Anybody that says it's not, call me up. Call up the show. 877-CARS-FOR-KIDS. Oof, don't even start that. But Alan Rickman, when his first entrance, when he comes in the fire and she uses the fire extinguisher on him and he's just like, <laughs> yeah. it's so good. He's amazing. He's so good. He takes her to the Mexican restaurant. All of his bits are so funny. Here's yep. my thing, and this is possibly unanswerable, but why didn't he just zap her to New Jersey? Yeah. Why wouldn't why wouldn't he? There's got to be a good reason because he can he can take her to the restaurant. Maybe he maybe his transporting powers uh, can't cross state lines. I don't know. Or uh, the only justification I could come up with on the rewatch was she needed to meet all of those people and have those experiences. Right, just like he needed to wait to tell Jesus that he was Jesus, you know, until he was in an adolescent. Right, Joseph. We're back to Joseph Campbell, the hero's journey. Yeah. The obstacles they need to they need to go through the, the the trial by fire they need to learn all the things you know friends become enemies and enemies become friends those kind of things well and one thing that i didn't notice so here's here's something called growth for you 1999 i'm watching this movie linda fiorentino she freaks out that she's the last scion she runs through the woods she goes into the lake and she's screaming why why and all i'm seeing is that her shirt is wet that's all I'm seeing from this mm. whole scene. I watched the movie again Got this it. week. I'm like, she's baptized. She's yes. going to emerge from the water. Someone new. Right. I just got that. Yeah. 21 years yeah. late. I was today years old when I made that connection. So thanks for oh. that. Because that didn't, get, that didn't hit me the other night when I'm watching the yes. movie. Yes. She gets baptized I was, and I was emerges for her. the last scion. I was waiting for her to rise up and walk on the mm-hmm. water. That's all I was thinking. I was like, oh, she's going to walk on water now. No, baptism. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, nicely done. Nicely done. And, and nicely done by the director to have that. It's really, really smart. Be a part of the story now. Do you know what I think? Mm-hmm. Speaking of Kevin Smith, what I think is super genius about what he does is he simultaneously allows Jay and Silent Bob to be both progressive and the boneheads that you need them to be. So Jay will say something that is super woke, if you will, 
and then followed up with something very misogynistic because that is what you expect from the character. So like, yes. uh, he's like, me and Silent Bob are pro-choice. We're here to pick up chicks. Where else would you meet loose women but an abortion clinic? Yep. It's hil- dichotomy. It's hilarious though. It's funny. Yeah. It, the yin and the oh, yang. Oh, it's so it's, funny. It's wonderful. And it's really, it's wonderful. Really well done. He says some nasty things about women, but he lays off homosexuals. Yes. So I, I, I'm inclined to take the win. Sure. I don't know. Sure. I don't know. You can, you can have right, it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can have it, but there's also, yeah, they kind of bring up Jay's latent homosexuality often. Mm. They mm-hmm. mind that joke. A few times. Yeah. And also with homosexuality in the boardroom, when Bartleby and Loki go to movies, uh, they say to one of the sinners at the table, you disowned your gay son. Yeah. So there's another, you know, there's another homosexuality. And they spare the woman. So maybe we'll give women a win on that one, too. We'll say you're the only one that could have possibly led a decent life because you're a woman. Do you? F- Let's say that he implied that. I can get on board with that take. Do you feel like uh, Kevin Smith used this movie as an opportunity to make really clear how he feels about certain things? Yeah, I mean, he wrote this. He wrote this screenplay even before he wrote Clerks. Yeah, and he wanted to wait, you know, until he could do the visual effects justice. So I think that there is a lot of ideology from the filmmaker in this movie. Yeah, no question. I think it's fascinating that he no wanted question. to make this right after Clerks. He was very passionate about the script from the start, but he just didn't have the street cred to get it made. But honestly, watching these four movies back to back, he didn't have the skill set yet. This movie is so tight. It's so tight. The pacing is so good. And it's funny. And there's actually a really effective use of music. The score is very interesting and humorous. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it plays it plays to the moment really well. It all fits together mm-hmm. nicely. For instance, any any time uh, the Azrael scenes, you know, in particular, the music that's going underneath, like there is a, a sense of um, danger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and George Carlin scenes uh, has a nice whimsical organ. It's like a jazz organ. Absolutely, like, absolutely. It yeah, perfectly suited for both character and actor. Did you catch the Star Wars reference? Did I miss the Star Wars reference? I was wondering if you did, because this it's in this movie, but it's really, really fast. Oh. Oh, no. Speaking of street cred, there goes mine at the next Comic-Con. What, what is it? It's in the diner. When she asks... In the diner. When she asks Jay and Silent Bob to be her guide. Oh, I'm Han Solo, you're Chewbacca... And we're in that weird, that weird ass bar. Yes. Got it. Yeah. No, I caught it. I caught it. I caught it. Woo! I was wiped the sweat off my brow. I was because, worried. Damn, son. Yeah. No. Got it. And 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 perfect. It was well done. After you know, I I I can say that now that I remember it. Yes. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> I like that he calls her Ben Kenobi. He's like, and you're that Ben Kenobi yeah. guy. Yeah. Ben Kenobi. You know, I, a lot of people have beef with him naming himself Ben Kenobi. Why? Because he didn't. What? What? He changed his first name. How is he going to hide from the Empire with just his first name? I propose that he chose Ben Kenobi on purpose because maybe Kenobi in the Star Wars galaxy could be like Smith. Maybe it's a real common name. 
So, you know, they're going through their, their roles of who lives where, and they say, oh, this is Ben Kenobi on Tatooine, and I can't possibly be Obi-Wan. I think his name is Ben Kenobi because Lawrence Kasdan had not decided who Anakin Skywalker was yet. I mean, that is probably true as well, Andrew. I'm just saying. That could, that could be a thing. As someone who has really. looked at those original sketches for the original nine-part movie... And seeing what those stories turned into after they started involving Lawrence Kasdan in the screenwriting. Funny, I don't remember ever owning a droid. Oh, really? Because you spent the entire Clone Wars with the little rust bucket. No, there's those plot threads just don't add up. But we've gotten off topic once again. We keep coming back to Star Wars. We're gonna have to just do the we Star do. Wars movies next. I think yeah, so. Yeah. It, How many more viewers universe universe movies do we have? Four. Jane, Silent Bob, Strike Back. Clerks yeah. 2, Jane yeah. and Bob Reboot. Am I missing one? Just yeah. three more. Is there three, three more? more? There's three more. But yeah, we're, we're okay. on the other side of it. He treats this as like his culminating movie, too. Because Jane and Bob is kind of like a love letter to the fans, which is funny because it's a little bit too early for that love letter. Because like he's finally <laughs> just started hitting his stride, and he's like, I'm done with these characters. They saw the end of the world together. It's, it's, it's yeah. fascinating close the book too soon and like you said last time you know this is a victory premature lap. victory lap and it's it's a great victory yeah. lap but like it's like we're we just started settling in yeah yeah you've got the two kids from good that goodwill hunting movie and they're leading the, the way here we're hitting our stride you know? man and it's a it's a movie that at yeah. two hours does not feel long that pace is relentless do yeah. you love how both yeah. of some of the editing is a little, you know, I do take I do take uh, issue with some of the editing in the film. There's a lot of it's a lot it's a, it's a little basic for me, uh, considering you know where he is as a filmmaker. But obviously, I'll let it slide because the story and the the, the pacing, as you said, is is really great. But the editing, you know what? Uh, it's a, it's a C. I feel like for every really really smart editing choice, there's a clunky one. You mm. know, so like for every time. Like serendipity saying somebody sold their soul to the devil for that shit and then it cuts over to the toilet. You know, mm -hmm. that's a really smart move. Uh, when yes. Alanis Morissette changes her garb and you see the sleeves of the new garb just magically in a smash cut under it. I was just like, that's, you could have thought of a, a more artful way to make it. Alanis Morissette. Alanis Morissette is God and was originally supposed to be Bethany. Really? Why yep. wasn't she Bethany, yep. CJ? She was, she was offered Bethany, but she couldn't because she was touring. She is Alanis Morissette. Her, her, the, the schedule didn't line up. Jason Lee's schedule didn't line up either. He was supposed to play Loki. He would have been a fantastic Loki. He would have been a fantastic Loki, the god of mischief. We've got a little, we've got a little theology issue with Azriel and Loki here, right? Because Azriel was the god of death. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, the angel of death. Loki was the Norse god of mischief. So he did a little switcheroo. Bartleby, I don't really know the, um, the is it etymology or entomology? One of them is the study of insects. One of them is the history of a word. Pretty confident you mean the etymology. Of Bartleby, I'm not really sure about it. Yeah, but it... But I do know, I do know Azrael and Loki. It's a beautiful choice, though, because it gives credence to the theory that all of it's real. It's all real, and yes. we as humans in our interpretation are screwing it up. It really adds yes, to that. Absolutely. Uh, I love the moment how both of their autos break down. 
You know, the car mm-hmm. breaks down because Jay can't drive and Loki can't control himself, so the bus stops. And so they're. The bus, quote unquote, breaks down. Yeah. So they're both on the same thing. What kills me is two things in that one moment that I just noticed when I rewatched it. Um, whose house runs house? Matt Damon. Don't know. Why? <laughs> why did that make it in? I don't. I don't. I don't understand what that is. And then we cut away from that awk moment, and it's morning, and Bethany's still mad about the car. So we've yes. lost about six hours of Bethany being mad. Did she sleep in the car? Has she been ranting the whole time? Were they driving at 6 a.m. and now the sun's up after? It's it's a bit confusing. It's It's a little confusing. And it kind of throws back to uh, that weird day change in Clerks, how they get back to the store and it's all of a sudden uh, midnight. Midnight. Yeah. And it was probably (laughs) it was 430 at the funeral. It's like stuff like that that I was like, that's sloppy. But what's funny, 21 years didn't notice, you know, never noticed that until I was sitting there with the intention of picking it apart to talk to you about it. Right, right, with a watchful eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, Rufus's entrance kind of steals the show, so you forgive it. So good. So good. And I was wondering, as he's standing there naked, and I had forgotten, I was like, wait, is he an angel as well? Are they looking at him? Are they looking at his junk? And he says, Rufus the Long. You know, it used to be Rufus the Long, but it's kind of cold out here. Great. Love, love a good, my, my dick is small because it's cold out joke. Well, and they keep going with it. When he asks for Simon yep. Bob's coat and he's like, his piece is going to rub in your armor. I'll do my best to tuck it back. Oh. Uh, mm. Yes, yes, Do so you yes. know what else I was pleasantly surprised with, though? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Tell me. That's okay. I came in ready to be upset about how they just happened to walk into a bar and find a muse. Because mm-hmm. it's so unlikely. One, uh, one, this strip club is right next to a movies. Two, yes. this stripper is dancing at what is likely 9 a.m. <laughs> it's very early. Because movies is still serving breakfast. Early. And if movies is the standard for McDonald's, it should be, especially in 1999. That breakfast train is cut off at 10.30. Hard 10.30. Not going to give you a hash browns. You got to get a hot-ass apple pie now. It's yeah, 10.30. Yeah, you're getting an apple pie. Right. 10.30. Mm-hmm. I think it was it 10.30? I think my McDonald's was 11. Oh, spoiled. I think we could get breakfast at my McDonald's in Vermont until 11. And fun fact about my McDonald's in Vermont, David Letterman, before... Uh, late night with David Letterman when it was the late show with David Letterman when he was on after Carson on NBC mm-hmm. he drove through our McDonald's and was so upset by the service he went on his show and said that he had visited the slowest McDonald's in the world what in, Man- in Manchester Vermont yep and I worked at that McDonald's and my manager was my brother's ex-wife's husband brother's ex-wife's husband got it I follow. Yes. Yes. So that was fun. Sounds awkward. It was so awkward. But not any more awkward than when my brother got back together with his ex-wife. And I went to their house for Thanksgiving. And her ex-husband, my former manager from McDonald's, was there. We all had Thanksgiving together. 
CJ, that's called being an adult. That's 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 yeah, how adults I, make it happen. You know, we And when I worked at McDonald's, I used to go back in the back and eat cookies. I used to eat the little cookies, and then I confessed this to him at that Thanksgiving. So you finally got that off your chest. I told him it was me. Good Catholic boy, you confessed. I did. The guilt of seeing Christ on the cross finally, you know, it got to me and I had to I had to confess my sins at that That's point. That's how it works, man. That's how it works all the time. So they go to this titty bar. Can I say titty bar? I said titty bar. They go Why not? They go to this titty bar and I was always annoyed at how they just happened to stumble upon this muse and then I just realized her name is Serendipity. That's literally how that works what that means. and what that means. Yeah. And she ends up being so crucial to the plot in the long game. Yeah, and Selma Hayek, a round of applause for Selma Hayek. Well done. Well acted. Well everything. She was so good and so beautiful. My word. I forgot 1999 Selma Hayek was that beautiful. Because, you know, she's been beautiful for yeah. so long. We just, we've moved on. Sure. I forgot that she was putting sure. it down like that. Oh, yeah. This was like right out of college, Selma Hayek. She looks stunning, and she's so funny when, when she yeah. grabs her boobs. She's like, bought a body, 50 bucks. She's so cute, <laughs> so funny, so confident. Yeah. She's responsible. No, she nails She's it. responsible for 19 of the 20 top grossing films of all time. 20 top grossing films <laughs> of all time. Yeah. I, and I'd forgotten the little jab at Home Alone in there. Ah, she does That's the hands good. and everything. It's so, yeah. Somebody so sold their soul to the devil for that piece of shit. It's so funny. <laughs> She's amazing. She kind of dumps a lot of religious data on us in her moment, too. She yes. tells us God is a woman. Absolutely. Uh, she tells us Catholics mourn their faith. She says some very interesting and powerful things. All of these things help change Bethany throughout the course of the movie. Um, right. Also, muses. We brought Greek mythology into the picture too. Yeah, so we've got we've got Catholic uh, Christian ideology, we've got Norse mythology and and now we've got now we've got Greek mythology. It all exists. It's all real and uh covering the bases. It's very very cool. Yeah. And speaking of dump, we're about to get one of the great villains of the Kevin Smith movies. I just wish the Golgothan got a little bit more screen time. It's so funny. He's got a literal poop cannon on his right arm, and boys think poop is funny. I thought it was funny. They think it, they think it's funny, and I love the origin story of this monster. See, but that that's one so of the data good. dumps that annoys me, though, because they're literally their life is in peril, and she's like, it's a Golgothan. She's making a Molotov cocktail and dumping all this mythology out at us because when else are we going to do it? And that stuff yeah. kills me. And it's usually her that does yeah. it because she does the sanctifying thing as a fringe benefit really fast later. She just says things really right. fast to get it out there so we understand. Drive the plot. Yeah, no, I loved it. I loved it because as you know, as I said earlier with the passion plays that I would do, I know about the Romans hanging dudes on the cross. So I'm hearing that and I say, oh, that that's familiar. I, under, I understand yeah, that. Yeah. I love that. I love it when that happens in movies where someone says something that – you know, isn't just common knowledge, right? Where you have to like make a connection and you make that connection. That's when I get really excited. I, so I love that moment in, in Dogma. It's so funny. It's so good. The, a shit demon. And she, I didn't realize until this rewatch, she calls him Hell's Chief Assassin. Yes. Yes. So because of the yeah. dynamic of the Romans crucifying that many Christians, 
and all of that shit that fell on the ground getting utilized by hell mm-hmm. to be hell's chief assassin. It is ridiculous, which is why I think the disclaimer at the beginning of the movie is so funny. It is funny. Is it necessary it, in your mind? Honestly, I do not think it was necessary, but in 1999, we were more universally Christian than we are now, I believe. And so I understand the studio saying people are going to protest this because it's about fallen angels and it says naughty things about God. So put that up front. And he does three really long title cards, one of which is completely about platypus enthusiasts. And I love that. It's very good. And I love he says something in it. It's like you'll notice 10 minutes into the film that this is a work of fantasy. Right. There's a shit Please demon. Please don't go out and hurt anybody. Can you see him in the pitch meeting where they're like, you got to put a disclaimer at the beginning. He's like, there's an actual claymation shit demon in this movie. If you think I'm saying anything real, anything at all real, that's on you. Like, Yeah. Yeah. But look at the times we live in now. Where anybody with a cell phone and an internet connection is an expert. That's true. I mean, we're experts. And people will believe any... Well, we are we experts, are experts. That's true. That's true. We are. We, we, between us, how many degrees are we working on? Okay? We're, we're, we are the educated class. Uh, of course, I'm kidding when I say the educated class. Using class in anything is not, is not okay. might have been my favorite moment the pause to wait for that to land that was brilliant i i love it so much but yeah some hayek gold everyone really yeah. does a ton of heavy lifting in this movie the golgothan shit demon yeah. is so good and silent bob saving the day with the air freshener is yeah because it knocks out bad turds right or i'm paraphrasing bad smells that's what the it, yeah, knocks out bad smells. Yeah, and he big shrug, and and then the next time we see our heroes is now. Are we going to the train? We get on the train now. Yeah. Well, first there's this is where we converge. This is where we converge. But first there's the Bartleby and Loki can't get to the bus. Oh, because you should not underestimate the great the draw of the Garden State and show up twenty minutes early next time. Did you notice that it was a Darius bus line? I did not. Yes, Rick Darris will fuck somebody in every movie. It's oh, genius. Wow. It's a genius little Easter egg. Oh my gosh! Yeah, because I was I as I got to the end of the movie and I you know and aside from um, you know the cameos from from Dante and Randall, mm-hmm. uh, I was like, where where's the where are the references? And I missed Darris. Yep. Darris bus lines. Wow. <laughs> Rick Darris. Always, yeah. yeah. That guy. He's a, that it's, guy. it's always something unsavory. There's always some unsavory interaction yes. with the Darius. It's very, very good. Yeah, he he makes things bad. Do you know what I thought was weird? Was when Azrael unfurls his plan to the boys. Or he doesn't really unfurl the plan, but he like pulls them aside. He's like, don't don't let your wings out. Like, you know, I'll help you get there. Yeah. I have low, Keep a low profile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are they in a toy store? Why are they in a toy yeah. store? I thought that was a weird choice. Is it? Is there just? Is there just a toy store connected to the bus terminal? I'm just like the Dwayne Reed at Port Authority. I'm just confused about all these locations, honestly. Yeah. Is it? Is it the Kmart? Maybe. Maybe it's the Penn Station Kmart. 
could be like the Penn Station Kmart. Sure. Well, sure. I'm not really clear on what state like they're that, in at that point. Yeah. What state? Yeah. Literally. What literally? Yeah. That we're in. I do like that Lucifer and God are all worried about what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, I do like that we've got kind of, you know, the the most famous fallen angel of them all is not on the side of these two fallen angels. I, I like it when that when things like that happen, like in a in a mob movie where Jersey and New York team up. That's a great way. That's a great way to put it. I really, really love that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I'm just confused a little bit by why he helps them in that moment. Well, we're ju- we he, they had just laid waste to the movies, folks. That's what it is. So maybe, yeah, he sees that maybe they're they're they could get caught. That's what it you is. You know that they could they could be stopped. That his his grand plan to to mess everything up is in danger now. So he's got to swoop in and say, "Okay, fellas, chill the fuck out. You know, just get to New Jersey, get to that church, and everything will be good. But you got to be careful because everybody's after and you." And he couldn't, including. The last sign. And he couldn't get the triplets to do that. He had to do that himself. Okay. Yeah. I buy it. I buy it. I buy it. I buy it. Yeah. That's that's what it is. Everybody's come together. This is... Would you say that this is, like, the beginning of Act 2? I think so. No. Nope. This is the end of Act 2. It's like... This is the end this of Act 2. This is the end two. of Act 2, yeah. Because yeah. that's... Because it's yeah. after the train sequence that Bartleby and Loki kind of switch roles. And that's what really ramps us into the right. back end of the movie. Right. So this fight on the train, it's kind of sad for me because you can see how they all kind of get along and they all completely understand what's going on. You got Barbie and Loki Mm -hmm. who are sympathetic to the human plight at this point because they've lived among them for so long. But uh, Barbie talks about feeling cast aside. He kind of vibes with Bethany. Uh, They're flirting. It's a little bit sexual. We get a really great look at Ben Affleck's new teeth. (laughs) <laughs> it's a legit teeth glow yeah, up. well done it looks great he looks fantastic he's yeah. very handsome in this movie yeah. they're stars by this point yes absolutely we've, we've, we've seen Goodwill Hunting Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are now a thing they're Academy Award winners in country yeah yeah they're, they're the next they're the next big thing in Hollywood and they're, they're here now so do you know what's fascinating and then they get thrown from the train like Mama like Mama what a good movie what fascinates me about this before they get into the fight is that this is the first time theodicy comes up as a concept. And that's the most mm. talked about religious thing, that if God exists, why do bad things happen? And he doesn't talk right. about that. He has a million other things to discuss before he gets to that. And that's the conversation that connects the last scion with the fallen angel. I think that's great writing. I think it's really good it's that the really most basic conversation is the thing that connects our hero and our villain. Right. It's very cool. I totally agree. Also, Kevin Smith's feelings on being out in the military come out here. When she thinks that they're gay, she uh-huh. thinks that they're lovers. We met when we were stationed together, that whole thing. He gets That was a hot yep. button issue at that point in time. It was still very, yep. very and new. He says, he says to everybody, that's okay. Don't worry about it. I have to look at the timeline. Live, folks. But we were just past Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Like. Late 90s. Yeah, it was 99 when this came yeah. out. So we're yeah. just coming out of that, that we don't have to be that weird about being gay and being in the military. 
that's new. Right. And so I love that he takes that real estate to talk about the Odyssey and that Silent Bob with his no ticket. Come on, Indiana Jones reference. Yeah. Which indie is that? No ticket. Is that Last Crusade? Which Indiana... I think that's Last Crusade. Because they're on the blimp, right? It's the Nazi blimp that they're on. Yes. They're on the Hindenburg. Yeah. Yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> well done. So we get off the train. I have a good Indiana Jones reference. Oh, my God. One of my favorite Indiana Jones references, actually, is in Endgame. Which one? Where uh, When War Machine and... Uh, what's her butt? Uh, Black Widow? Gamora's sister. No, Gamora's sister. Ne- Nebula. When they're about to go into the Temple of the Power Stone, and, and Don Cheadle says... Excuse me, War Machine says... You don't go into somewhere called the Temple of the Power Stone without there being all kinds of booby traps where spears with skulls appear out of nowhere. Like, yep, that's that's definitely a Raiders of the Lost Ark reference. That's so Thank good. Thank you, War Machine. Yeah. What a good recast. What a successful recast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I'm here. Deal with they it. They really nailed Thank it. You. They really nailed that. It's so good. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. So... Oh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh. I love that at the end of the movie, I'm, I'm getting it's ahead of myself because that's what it's I... It's okay, though. That's what it's I okay. do on Icon or Y-Con. Let's go. Hit me. When Jay and Silent Bob will appear again in Clerks 2. Yes. That's what happens at the end credits. But that's, you know, that's a that's a comic book trope to this character will appear again in, in this thing. But yeah, Clerks he 2. That was supposed to Clerks be next. Clerks 2 hardly clerking. He mm-hmm, teases mm-hmm. Clerks too, and then doesn't make it. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't make it, and and I don't know why. But uh, he and Tarantino are part of a generation of filmmakers that have a very long list of oft talked about, yet remain unproduced projects. Yeah, they both have very dense lists of things that they really wanted to do and never got to do. He does eventually get to do Clerks too, and it's quite darling. I. We'll talk about that. I have such a we'll soft spot for that movie. But, uh, so this movie, when uh, Bartleby and Loki switch roles, were you scared? I was scared. It was, Ben Affleck does a hell of a job in that parking garage. He does a great job. Yeah, that's that's really good stuff. It's so good. The only thing I don't like about his performance. And, and, he's, and he's right, Andrew. And he's right. He, Everything he's saying is absolutely spot on. He is right. He's, He's right. right. We've been afforded all kinds of gifts and benefits from the Lord on high. Mm-hmm. Whatever you uh, perceive that thing to be. And he says, but I ask you to put your sword down once and we're sent to Wisconsin forever. Yeah. They're supposed to be servants. Yes. They're supposed to bow and, bow and scrape and, and the humans were the ones that get all the love, so... Here we are. It is a fascinating thing. You know what else is fascinating? Azrael. That they talk about how he's in the shitter because he didn't pick sides during the war. Mm-hmm. And so first God cast down everyone that was a Lucifer sympathizer. And then he went back yep. and everyone that never picked a side had to go too. Yeah. So if you're not with me, you're against me. It's one of those things. If you're not with me, you're against me. And the whole thing is going to come apart if those two enter the church because it will prove God fallible, but God is fallible. Weird, right? Just by, just by doing that, just by, you know, sending Azrael who didn't pick a side, who didn't choose the right side 
he's got to go yeah. too. So why hasn't the whole thing come apart just for that? You know, why hasn't it come apart yet? I argue it has. Fascinating. Tell me more. Well, the world that we live in is so far removed from what we were given. Fair. You know, if you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, it was this beautiful, wonderful place where, and we were undone by a serpent because we couldn't, we couldn't keep our hand off the one damn thing. You know, God said, you can have whatever you want. Just don't eat from that tree. You know, it's kind of like, you can have whatever you want. Just don't tell people that they, can, they can't do what they want to with their own bodies. You can have whatever you want. Just don't start wars in countries that aren't yours. You know, we're, we're living in an age where Bartleby and Loki got through the church, came out and died, and everything's come undone. Listen, but I, I hear you. I respect that take very much. But I argue that we're in an infinite loop type situation, that the agreement never changed. The agreement was always do whatever you want except this. The problem is we don't know how to follow directions. We never knew how to follow directions. <laughs> And it's, it's built into our oldest piece of religious mythology as American Christians that we don't know how to follow the rules. And we keep doing it. And it comes back up again later. Moses, he says, uh, what does he say? Talk to the rock and the rock will give you water. And he hits the rock. He doesn't do it. He doesn't follow the rules. Doesn't do what he was asked to do. And then he's like, great. Well, now you're not coming to the promised land. And so I would argue that we are still living under the weight of the fact that as humans, at our base level, we don't fucking follow directions. No. Even when, even when it is clearly laid out to us that if you follow the directions, everything's going to be dope. Well, and we have actual evidence to say that we should follow the directions, but we put our personal feelings above that. Be like, but I feel like I should be doing this, so I'm going to do this. Because it is my right to feel this way. That's a whole other issue. Sure is. But you know what I'm saying? I do. All of these characters, all of these characters suffer from that. That the existence is completely based around me and what I need to do and what I my thing is. Bethany's mad at God because she can no longer have children. You know, and that's God's fault. She's upset with him about that. How could he have let that happen? Rufus is upset yeah. that. Man edited him out the Bible. How could God let that happen to him? Serendipity is upset about she doesn't get to keep any of her ideas. And then she comes down to earth and she can't keep any of her ideas. Part of her makeup doesn't allow her to be a muse for herself. Everybody is, everybody right. is angry because they can't do what they want to do. But nobody actually followed the rules. I would say Rufus yeah. is the only one that's was, like a true victim. But Sure. Sure, Azrael's upset because he would rather watch the entire thing burn to the ground and everybody, including himself with it, than spend one more day yeah, in hell. Yeah, it's, it's me. It's very, very me. And this is a thing that we're just yeah. watching humans go through. It's a thing that we're watching Americans go through, where the me is yeah. far more important than the we, but all the rhetoric would dictate that we should be focused on the we, that that's what we're founded upon, but we weren't founded upon it. It is a very complicated thing. The politics, the religion, all of it, how it all converges together and how we treat each other. It's very complicated. And then wow. yeah. they tell this to Cardinal Glick. They tell him. They tell him. They tell him the truth. This, and he doesn't buy it. We're here. He doesn't and buy it. And he says, nothing is going to stop me doing that ribbon cutting ceremony 
because it's a press moment for him. Right. And the church needs the press. It's a big deal for him. Mm-hmm. It's a big oh, moment. Man, it's man. his it's his it's his expo, you know, it's his world's fair. It's he's gonna be on display doing what he does. And I, I don't care if you know what you're telling me is where the world's gonna end or everything's gonna be real crappy, it doesn't matter because this is what mm-hmm. I want, you know. I don't care that me putting on a mask before I walk into Costco could possibly make someone feel better or save someone from getting sick because I don't yeah, want to. Yeah, I don't want to do it and that's my right. Me. Me, me, me. Me. Oof. Yeah, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter how it affects oh, it you. It kills me. It kills me. It's fascinating watching uh, that whole concept be dramatized in a religious fantasy twenty years before. And we've learned nothing. We're still those people. Not a thing. We're still we're still Not those people that are willing to walk into the church to unmake existence because we're tired of living in Wisconsin. Right. Right. It's heartbreaking, honestly. But it's a good thing that God is really Alanis Morissette. And this movie taught me to believe that God may be Alanis Morissette. And maybe the world would be better if God were Alanis Morissette. I said it. That would be ironic. Wouldn't it? Don't you think? Don't you think? <laughs> That was a purely organic moment, oh, everybody. so that good. came out of conversation. Oh, man. I wish, I wish I could script something that good. That was so good. <laughs> All right. So then we, uh, everybody gets to New Jersey, and we get the holy bartender moment. So funny. Which is great. Well done, Jason Also, the Lee. Elvis was an artist moment. That's why he's the king Absolutely. and you're a schmuck. Come on. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. And then um, Bob and Selma Hayek figure out, or really Serendipity figures out the golf club, and Bob is just kind of clueless to the thing, but he wields it, smashes it in, and because Silent Bob stole the golf club from the Cardinal, who obviously blessed it, because he's the kind of guy that would want to bless a golf club to make his golf game better. Data dump number three. Thank God for vanity. Data dump number three in this movie drives me up the wall because they say those <laughs> lines so fast. They explain the golf club yeah. and that Bethany can sanctify things back to back and then leave the bar because Barbie and Loki have already attacked all the parishioners. Right. Right. There's a bloodbath at the church. Oh, my gosh. It is. That part stresses me out. And But, hey, special effects budget to see Bartleby flying around dropping somebody. Yeah, yeah, up in the air. I never good. caught. Looks good I never there. caught that when that body falls, Jay says one of your friends. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't catch that until I rewatched. It. I was like, "That's funny," because Rufus fell out of the sky. That's that's really really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and before that, when when Bartleby and Loki first attack the parishioners, is uh, when we get our our Hicks, Grant Hicks from Brian O'Halloran. Grant Hicks. He really he he punched in for all of these movies. He came in. Absolutely. And his name is Hicks every single it's time. So I love good. That. Yeah. And we see we see the actor who played Randall earlier when he's, you know much, much But he's earlier. selling the fecal later. When yeah. <laughs> and in that scene, Ben Affleck is playing with a knife and he actually cut himself. That's real that's a real injury. Oof. It's a real life injury in that in that scene. Shocking. Shocking, shocking, shocking. So I have a question for you. I'm ready to answer it. We have all this stuff. They fight with Bartleby. Bartleby kills Loki. John Doe Jersey, we figure out it's him. We really learn a lot in the last 12 minutes of the movie, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. Both times I watched this movie, I forgot about the old guy that gets attacked. At, at the, the very theater. beginning. Sh- shame yeah. on me. <laughs> but, shame or on that's me. good storytelling, that you didn't see it coming. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's why they do that. No, I thought thought that was just you know a way to introduce these little badasses with the hockey sticks. The triplets are so funny. Why do they sound like bees? <laughs> the swarm. I could see that. I could see that. The locusts. That is fascinating. So here's my question for you. They wake John Doe Jersey up, or actually they pull the plug on him. God returns to heaven. Yes. Right as Bartleby is about to enter the church, right? Yes. Opens the Uh door. He says, I'm sorry. She says, I'm going to be generous and kill you with my voice. Right? Yeah. He he says, he says, thank you. He says, thank you. Because he just really wanted to be free. If the rules of the movie remain consistent, he goes to hell. He goes to hell. Uh Uh-huh. Right? He goes to hell. With Loki. Who's there already. Who's there already. Fireworks. It's five o'clock. Why not? Oh. (laughs) I was like, what was that noise? Fireworks on on my block. It's still sunny out. I don't know why they're setting them off, but... And also July 18th. Now here we are. So. So Bartleby goes to hell with Loki. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Definitely. God changes her clothes and Jay says, what the fuck is this? The piano. And that's still funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Classic. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Everyone comes together. They heal Bethany. They tell Bethany she's pregnant. The next last scion, which is weird. It's a little weird. But I do like mm-hmm. that when she... But at this point, we're thinking of a sequel. Yeah. Right? We still have a... That there's going to be a sequel in this. In yes. Mind. Yeah. And the sequel would follow Bethany Jr.? I guess. I don't know, man. I guess maybe, maybe a young Haley Joel Osment plays the role. Perhaps... Going back to the parking garage, sorry to take us all the way back there, but uh, Bartleby and Loki refer to God as he. They keep saying mm-hmm. he. They don't ever say she. They don't ever say she. Rufus always says he. It's only serendipity that says she. Even mm-hmm. um, Metatron says he. I did notice that, that all of them say he mm-hmm. but serendipity, and they all know that it's a she. I think Rufus clarifies at the end when he's like, she isn't really anything. Oh, right, 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 And that's right, the thing. Right, yep. the, mm-hmm. Also, all the men say he and all the women say she. So it's nebulous, but yeah. it is consistent. It's interesting. Yeah. I like that. That's a good... That's a good point. He isn't really anything. Yeah. She isn't really anything. Yeah. She's God. She's omnipotent. Yeah. She's all-seeing. She's everything. She's everything. I like that Bethany says no, but I have a good idea. When he's like crisis of mm-hmm. faith over, she's like, no, but I have a good idea. It's not about, and it's not it about is. beliefs. And, and it's about ideas and, that's what we want. and ideas can change. And I think that is so strong and such a strong choice. And it's funny in the grand tradition of where we were going to go with being upset about things before we encounter them, that people were protesting this movie before it came out because it actually has a quite positive message about religion as a whole. 
Absolutely. It shows that there are some bad people, and that's real. And it shows that there are some people that do terrible things in the name of God and of the church, and that's real. It doesn't really say anything disparaging about someone that believes anything. And it's actually no. quite generous with your allowing you to believe things. It's, it does so in such a way that it's built into the writing. We're using names from multiple mythological religions to yes. add to this. We're, we're touching... We're touching all of them. We're we're bringing we're bringing them all in. Everybody has a seat at the table, and everybody is valid. And there is, in and that the way. one thing they agree on is that there is a God, and there is a Lucifer. There's a good and an evil, and neither yeah. of them want existence to be unmade because they create balance. It's actually quite a positive right. message on socio-religious comp, uh, socio-religious constructs. Sure, and I think that if I'm not mistaken. Jesus is never referred to as the son of. So we're even we're even inviting the Jews, the Jewish brethren yeah. in to say not necessarily the son of God, but a great prophet. They allude somebody important, somebody important to the Metatron story. Metatron alludes to the Trinity concept, though, which is super Catholic. When sure. he says, but doesn't ever call him the no. son. Yeah, he says that he's. He does say, he's like, I had to tell him that he was the son of God. Not only that, but he was God. Oh, he does, does he? He does allude to the Holy Trinity. Oh, sh shit stick. Yeah, they do, they do put Christianity at the top of the totem pole, but they do invite everyone to the party, to the heavenly religious yeah. party. Mount Olympus is very much active in this moment, you know? Right, right. And also, uh, L Loki talks to the nun about Eastern religions and how Lewis Carroll's Through the Looking Glass represents the <laughs> the whole Eastern religion versus Judeo-Christianity concept. And so yeah. they all they yeah. are aware the everything that is from another realm is aware that all of the religious constructs are in existence and that humans have cherry-picked and formed factions from their belief structures. Yeah, those with the pen write down what they want. Fascinating. Fascinating. Mm. All right, what works for you about this movie? Mm. If you have to pick one thing. Well, I mean, we we've been talking about it, and we just talked about it. It's it's the fact that Kevin Smith talks about religion, and teaches you, the audience, about religion, but doesn't doesn't say that one way or another is necessarily right or wrong. He he points out. The foul, he points out the, the errors that we have, as people, as human beings, have made in interpreting the word of God. You know, these, the, the Bible in and of itself is, is minus Leviticus, is, is a great sort of manual to live one's life by, right? I mean, it, it, it love thy neighbor as thyself, but he who is without sin cast the first stone. You know, I am the light, I am the way. So, he, Kevin Smith is almost saying like, hey guys, take the good. Mm -hmm. Look at the good. Look at the, the wonderful message of love that this book and, and these sort of, these different religions teach us. And all that other shit, all that hatred, all that anger, all that evil, let that go. We made that. We created that. It's not part that. of it. We made that. Yeah. Yeah, so that is a thing that, you know, that I always it happened the first time happened the other night like it, this that's what i that's what i take away is something that really really works 
and uh, is, is really great in dogma. I love that among all of his religious conversations that he's having and among all the things he means to discuss, he manages to squeeze in being pro-life. He manages to squeeze in the divine feminine has been written out of the Bible. He manages to squeeze in Jesus' true ethnicity has been edited and adjusted for mass mm, consumption. Mm-hmm. And I really respect that those three conversations get a nice little beat in this movie. This movie is not just about his relationship with religions. It's not just about his relationship with his own Catholicism. It's about all of it. And he makes a point to create characters that all of these discussions can arise. I think that's so amazing. I love that yes, we're hearing absolutely. about the erasure of the divine feminine from a Latin woman. That's incredible that he did that. Yeah. In 1999, turn at the turn of the century. It's beautiful. You know, yeah. It, and it's amazing that with the turn of the century in ragtime, we're still dealing with the same shit a hundred years later. You know, there were 99 years to go or 94 years to go. What's the lyric? Doesn't matter. Listen, I think the point is we don't learn because we don't fucking follow directions. Directions. We sure All goes don't. back to that. What? We're, we're what doesn't that. work for you? Uh, what doesn't work for me is the editing. Uh, <laughs> There's, there are just there are just so many moments in this in this film where it's it, the editing is it's it's juvenile. It's not you know it's not the it's not the editing of a filmmaker who is now on his fourth really big mm. movie. In a lot of ways, Mallrats is a lot smoother. Mm-hmm. This is a better film, but Mallrats looks a lot more slick. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that, you know, it's... And I, and I don't know if it, if it stands out to me because of the stars that are in this mm. movie. Right? Like, the first three films... You know, those guys were just coming up. They weren't like established stars, and 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 you kind of you weren't holding the movie to any sort of um, standard, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but now that we've got all of these stars, and now it's we're looking at a big budget film, and we still have some, you know, we still have an editing issue. It's to me that's what that's what doesn't work. I feel that. What doesn't work for me is the rapid fire data dumps. They're they get more annoying mm. with each passing view. I and I think I only appreciate them because I know the words to the script now. I'm so sure. familiar with it, but they do sort of at and it's just just the fact that it happens the same thing at the tail end of a scene. They explain everything you need to know really fast to get to the next scene, and then they just move on. And I guess that's it. it in the spirit of efficiency, but it's it's a little bit clumsy, and and I'm happy to see that he gets away from that as the films go on. Yeah, yeah, it's like the first eight minutes of a play in the last three seconds of the scene. Yeah, it's like oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, blah 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 blah. That's what that is. Great. Moving on. Let's enjoy the scene <laughs> and, and continue off. on the movie. Yeah. What's your special award? Well, the special award for creating a monster out of the shit sweat and blood and tears of those criminals that the romans crucified goes to dogma fantastic 
written and directed by Kevin Smith. Well done. Worthy. That that monster appears out of the toilet, takes a long time to develop, right? Because he's obviously the, the monster's coming from another yeah. realm. Um but the fact that, you know, that is the secretion <laughs> of you know, all these people that the Romans either justly or unjustly murdered by hanging them to trees. Mwah. It's funny. It's very, very funny. I'd say my special award is visible exponential growth from a filmmaker. Mm. This movie came out five years after Clerks. Sure. Not the same filmmaker in those five years. And it's nope. not like he had a break to retrain. He's been making movies this entire time. So we've just gotten to watch him work out his craft. And this is the tightest, most watchable movie of the bunch. Yes. And, and not just because of the actors. No, no, he really did a, the, the filmmaking itself. He, it's not a flawless movie, but he did a great job in assembling it and getting great performances out of these people. These people that have much larger storied careers than him, you know? Yeah, yeah, and he made this movie for ten million dollars. Amazing, you know. And I think I think it, I think it did like forty four million or something like that, forty five million at the box office. Big success. So, well Big done. Big success. I, I still remember when it came out. We're yeah. all so excited about it. I remember looking in the newspaper and seeing the picture of Ben Affleck and Matt Damon like smiling with their little hoodies on. <laughs> and I, I remember yeah. being like, oh, I got to see the new Kevin Smith movie. Like, he had become a thing gotta by that point. I got to see this movie. Absolutely. Desert yeah. on. People knew his name. Desert on top five status. Does this one make it? Sadly, oh. no. We are 0 for 4. Sadly, no. And, you know, <laughs> it's funny. This is kind of the same movie as Little Nicky that will appear in a few years for Mr. Adam Sandler, right? A religious movie that kind of has uh, a fantasy angle to it. Um, and I think that that is not, the fact that I'm not taking this on the desert island with me is not an indictment of this movie so much it's an indictment of that genre. Mm -hmm. You know, I think we've been talking about it. I'm a good I was a good Catholic boy. People like to say recovering Catholic. I think this one hits a little too close to home for me. Oh. To want to spend the rest of eternity with it. Yeah. It doesn't make it on the island for me either. Which is sad for me because I really love it and I know almost every word. And it's funny because I often credit Marats with being my favorite movie in the Viewsk universe. But I know Dogma the best. And I think it's my mm. religious upbringing mm -hmm. that made me take it take to it so beautifully because nobody had ever said naughty things about God like that in my house, you know? It right. was very, very naughty right. to enjoy it. You yeah. Know? It's like the church lady. Exactly. It's you know, and, and honestly, you know? like it's a year before I started sleeping with men. So I don't know if there's a correlation, but oh. <laughs> maybe we'll send out an email blast about that for Listen, you. Listen, let everybody, let everybody know. know that dogma <laughs> made me like men no that's not fair that's really not fair I love dogma but I can't give it that much credit there you go There you go. it's just a fun gag though it sure is and it's a fun romp a fun romp this movie is a fun romp it's, it's great you know it moves there's hilarious characters 
It's just just not a top it's five. It's really good though. It's really good. Would yeah. you? Is sure it an is. icon? Yes. It is. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so good. Absolutely. It's this so is, good. This is an iconic movie for all of the reasons that we've discussed. You know, it's got a young Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, just, you know, coming off, doing their victory yeah. lap. It's got religious themes and it tries to teach people who take religion a little too seriously not to. It, the messaging is great. You know, we talked about uh, Don't Ask, Don't Tell. That was 1994, 1995. This is a, this is a few years later. He's like, boom, it's okay. It, it, George Carlin. I mean, you know, playing a cardinal, Alan Rickman, Chris Rock and Salma Hayek. Is, is it Chris Rock and Salma Hayek? I mean, it, it's just it's just incredible, and it's a movie that will go down in history as important. I believe that. I believe and that. Iconic. Iconic indeed. CJ, this was fun. I'm glad we got to break this down. I've been meaning to break this movie Me down for a really long time, and I'm happy that it was with you. Me too. I'm glad. I'm glad that I could. I could be here for you and for our 17 listeners. Listen, they're still with us. They're still there. I'm really there. proud of them. You made it this far. Three more movies, guys. Three Good. more movies, and then I think we're gonna go to Star Wars. I think that's a Man, great idea. That'll be fun. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. And the Viewisk universe is a perfect segue into the Star it Wars universe. Seems natural. Now. We're just gonna do the nine. We're just gonna do the nine episodes of the Skywalker Saga. To start. Yes, we're gonna do the nine episodes of the Skywalker Saga, but we are gonna have to talk about the last three movies relying on the extended material to make sense. Yeah, absolutely. And fortunately for everybody listening, I am one of. Uh, I'm considered an expert on the extended universe and the current extended uh, canon. So you're in good hands. Strap in. And strap on. Wow. What? CJ, this has been great. I'll see you next time. Never get to <laughs>